Hello and welcome to another episode of the St. George's Rod and Stock, the official podcast of the Church of St. George the Martyr alongside the chapelries of St. Mark and St. Monica's. I am Lindsay Shooters, your host on this exploration of faith during this time of crisis. This is the Pentecost Sunday, 50 days after Easter episode. And there's a, quite a few things happening within the diocese. And the Archdeacon Rodney Whiteman is on hand to explain all of these things. Hello, how are you? And what is happening tomorrow? Hi, uh, Lindsay. Um, doing okay through the grace of God. Trust the same for you. Um, on the um, diocesan front, um, the Diocese of False Bay will be inaugurating All Saints Somerset West as the Cathedral Church, Cathedral Parish of the Diocese, as well as installing um, Canon Ron Phillips as the first dean of our, our cathedral and of our diocese. And that will happen at three o'clock tomorrow, as well as um, today at the this afternoon. They had finished some floral arrangements uh, with um, uh, archdeaconry participation, uh, the six archdeaconries, and those flowers will be on display tomorrow as well. Those uh, arrangements. Uh, each has a theme, and just to say, because I remember I worked on it, the, 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 the theme that Blue Downs Archdeacon V had to um, arrange is Cathedral, a sign of coexistence uh, for the wider community. And that is just to say, I think it's Dietrich Bonhoeffer's words were, the church exists for its non-members, in other words, for its, the wider community in which it serves. And that was the theme we had to arrange. And of course, that beautiful African word was very much displayed. Um, Ubuntu uh, was mm. part of our theme. <clears throat> so yes, that is uh, our major events that um, um, Bishop Margaret would have, have on her going out CV. Um, With the work that Bishop Mervyn did, uh, she was able now in her time mm. to ensure that that is completed. So in a way, yeah, uh, accolades goes to Bishop Mervyn as well and all the people that worked over the years to ensure that this is one of the uh, tasks that the diocese needed to get uh, completed. I find it very interesting that I have recollection of all of the diocesan changes. <laughs> so far, because <laughs> I lived through it, and I mean, that's that's an I I am very grateful uh, being an elder millennial um, to have lived through so much change and newness, like grown up alongside the internet and seen the transition from vinyl to cassette to cd to streaming service now and yeah that, that, that's always pretty cool like, like i i think our generation hasn't lived through any wars or at least any major world wars or that sort of thing but we have lived alongside how the world has evolved and yeah in 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 many ways not necessarily for the better but that's part of the human um struggle isn't it we try mm. to do things for the better and we don't always get it right uh, because we are we work alongside the fact that 
in ourselves, there's selfishness and arrogance and greed. Um, uh, we, 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 you know, and nepotism and uh, narcissism that often is displayed in uh, where one wants to, to go together, where one wants to go together. Um, and so often it breaks it along the way. Um, like, I mean, I mean, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not particularly sure what, what it means to develop technology for faster, um, better quality. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure what the words they use. Mm. You know, in my simple mind, technology is technology is technology. If I can do the simple things to make contact, to get the message out, to receive the message and that kind of thing. But I do know that. Um, there are others whose minds just, um, you know, are eventful and creative. And so I do stand uh, in awe of all of that creativity. And, uh, you know, I mean, I look at mod I, I look at the ways cars are being built today and I see so many similarities between the shapes of the cars. Yeah. Um, but their names are different. So, yes, uh, I think development is important. I just don't know where it, it will be leading us to. Um, you know, <laughs> I don't often think when anybody you see... knows. I don't think that's the point. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know the destination. We're just traveling. <laughs> We're just on the journey. It's like I always say, I don't choose the music. I just come to dance. <laughs> <laughs> but what I do find, I mean... Um, a little bit in, in the little history that I uh, engaged, you, you, you find how often things develop and you think, ah, oh, it's going going great guns and boom, you get a civil war or neighbors are fighting with one another. Now you ask yourselves, what has now gone wrong that so many lives have been lost and so much ammunition has to be used? Mm. Um, and then when you read, when you try and read now through, where, where is the real, the real thing? Oh, as somebody was saying the other day, a guy who's been in the, the military and the Americans, he's saying, ah, the military now has to find a way to help those who build military equipment to check if their things work out well. And now the playground is another country. Yeah. And uh, in, in, sadly, life is lost. So, yeah, that's just part of what I want to throw in that sometimes you get just get forward on development and then the war starts. <laughs> well, that's, that's uh, actually an important conversation uh, with, within the context of today, because Pentecost is the birthday of the church and Christianity, um, because that is when the spirit entered, said to be. When the spirit entered the disciples and I the theme you have extracted is for the spirit that God has given you does not make you slaves and cause you to be afraid. But I love the quotes that you have pulled one from N.T. Wright specifically those in whom the spirit comes to live are God's new temple. They are individually and corporately places where heaven and earth meet. And yes, so like there aren't any Pentecost dishes. <laughs> there aren't any other like kind of festivities outside of the priests wearing red and tongues of fire and all those sorts of things, those symbolisms. But it, it's weird that there hasn't been a little cultural celebration um, formed around Pentecost. Well, the closest we're going to get to anything cultural will be the flames at the Bry place. 
<laughs> well said. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, that, yeah, that, that, that was good. That was good. I appreciate that. <laughs> but talking about tongues of fire, that's also Pentecost is obviously um, closely associated with the, the speaking of tongues because the tongues of fire came and then they left the room and then they went out into the street and there was a festival happening in the city and then they were speaking all the different types of languages. So I was doing a little bit of research and there's quite a few um, evangelical born-agains, uh, mostly in the States, who have questioned on all of the forums like Cora and Reddit and everything, um, if it's normal for a born-again Christian to not be able to speak in tongues. And for me, the so I, I, the first time I ever encountered the idea of speaking in tongues, um, which is separate from the religious idea that is recounted in Acts 2, Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 21. Uh, in, in the more, in the evangelical churches, so like Lighthouse, I experienced it at Lighthouse in a youth meeting and they were laying hands and then this buddy started saying some gibberish and then a couple of weeks later, there was another situation where he also spouted out the same gibberish. And so I, I have like this really lame superpower that I, 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 I recognize patterns very quickly. So if you are saying the same thing and you are thinking that you are saying different things and that no one's going to notice that you are saying using the same kind of like words in inverted commas, um, I will pick up that you are using the same kind of words and then call you out on it. Um, so this idea of speaking in tongues, where did we go wrong, Father Rodney? Um, you know, I, I, I don't know whether we totally really are understanding what the context of Acts 2 relates to us when we read um, that they spoke in tongues. And I remembered my seminary um, class on this uh, because there we, we islanded the new word of glossolaria. So mm -hmm. it, was, it, was, it, was it speaking in a language that people in that did not understand when the text says when they shared what the spirit had placed on their hearts to sh to say the people in their own languages could understand what the whole counsel of god was mm. so the language that the spirit had given them and the message that um, that had to be uttered with that language seemed to be something that in which mm. god wanted people of every race and nation and language to hear what god was speaking to the heart of, human, of humans and to the context of humanity. So then we get and then we get that, and that's the only incident, as far as I understand, in the recorded in the Acts of the Apostles where they spoke in tongues. Although there were other parts of it, uh, smaller, what's his name, where the Gentiles began to uh, be be touched in the same way by the Spirit, and there were arguments amongst. The the the, the 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 Hebrew Christians, whether uh, you know the order was right, shouldn't they first have become certain uh, it would do that? So now again, as we are doing on the earth, we dictate what God should be doing with God's work. 
So, so then we go to Corinthians where, you know, people speak and the understanding would be that uh, when you're filled with the Spirit, the phenomena of the Spirit is that you speak in tongues. But yet, it's one of how many gifts that Paul Nine. talks about. Nine manifestations. And then immediately following from chapter 12 is chapter 13. And the connection between 13 and 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 uh, between between 12 and 14 is 13, mm. because Paul then in 14 talks about the more excellent way, and Paul does say that speaking in tongues, if 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 you, I mean, it's something you don't have control over, something that you don't even understand you what you are saying, um, but it's a gift. Uh, and this is the point of the gifts of the spirit. It's given for the edification of everybody. It's given mm. for the betterment of everybody, not exclusively for those who have it. But mm. I think what has happened is that, um, you know, some people would say, oh, when when pastor so-and-so lays his hands on me, I just fall over. So yeah. now the power <laughs> is in pastor so-and-so. So now what has happened, we did exactly what Paul was against when he was, he meant Silas were preaching, and that young girl filled with the spirit that wasn't from God had, already, had said, had revealed what Paul and Silas's ministry was all about, but she was such a nag that Paul shut the demon up in her. And of course, she was then not of any use to, uh, uh, what's the name? But before that, they wanted to get that gift that Paul and Silas had because they thought they could then earn more money by it. Mm. So, so Paul said, that's not how this thing works. The, the, how the spirit works is, of God works is totally out of our understanding and control. So where did we lose it? When we thought we could control the spirit. I remembered uh, people coming to me and saying, oh, they tried to push me over. Now, the experiences that I had, I've never had people push me over and it was not as people wanted to be so dramatic. It's extraordinary, but it's not an experience that, you know, because I haven't spoken in tongues where somebody interpreted what I said. I have heard people say that the interpretation, but whether that. So you see all of these things, in my view, as, a, as an exercise of faith is discernible. We mm. must discern mm. the spirit. In fact, that's what um, the writer in the in the in the in the, in the what's name says. We've got to discern the spirit. One day I was at a service, yeah, and, and this pastor it was a funeral service. This pastor then saw me with my collar on, and he knew that I was related to the Anglican Church, and he was just going off in whatever he assumed was tongues. And I thought, are you trying to impress me? Because the use of whatever you are saying <laughs> is not of God. You can't be boasting about gifts. It's not meant for your glorification. So we went wrong. And this one, one person said to me also, uh, now they're standing and then they're praying. And then the person says, speak, 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 speak. But the one thing that I keep under, misunderstood, not misunderstood, that one thing that I keep making a correlation with is this. People who force others to want to speak in tongues and say, if you don't, then the spirit is not in you. Why would yes. Paul say the more excellent way is love? Now I come to those who say they've got all these wonderful, marvelous gifts. Listen to them. They lack love as a key 
excellent way to prove that you're a Christian. What did Jesus say in his prayer? That they may love one another. Mm. <coughs> Pardon me, just as I have loved you, then others will know that, that they are my disciples. So Jesus didn't emphasize the speaking of a, uh, of, of a secret tongue mm. as evidence that you are the, uh, the disciple of Jesus. If the Spirit gives you that gift, Paul says, then you pray it in your personal and private prayer. If it needs to be spoken out in a, in a uh, place where there's a worship service or whatever, there needs to be an interpreter. interpreter. You don't misuse the gift. For so that, that you, you put it that way, because what the, the nine manifestations, manifestation number seven is discernment of the spirit. Then number eight is speaking in tongues. And number nine is interpretation of the tongues. But I just want to clarify that when I said we um, earlier, I meant collectively as a human race. Um, when did we start? reading words differently because it clearly says in the Acts passage, if you believe all of these things to be true, um, that the speaking in tongues was speaking other dialects that the people there then who had gathered could understand. And obviously to unsophisticated observer um, who would be recording this would say that those people are speaking in tongues in the Greek that it was written in, which would mean that they are speaking a language that I can't understand. Um, and that would be the feedback, and that was what would make it into the text. Uh, so on top of that, and, and it's, why I say it was interesting what you said is that the, the decision to own, to take ownership of the spirit. So in Romans chapter 8, verses 14 to 17, there is Verse 14 goes, those who are led by God's spirit are God's children. For the spirit that God has given you does not make you slaves and cause you to be afraid. Instead, the spirit makes you God's children. And by the spirit's power, we cry out to God, Father, my father. That has an intertextual relationship with the gospel, which is according to John 14, verses 8 to 17, where Jesus is pretty much saying, Believe in me, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. But if you do not, then believe me because of the works of themselves. That's when Philip is asking him to show them the Father. And he's like, Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. In fact, will do greater works for me than these because I am going to the Father. It's like when he goes to the Father, the Spirit will be kind of poured out onto them, which is then what happens in. Pentecost, but why I say there's an intertextual relationship is because Paul never heard Jesus speak that, obviously. But yeah. here, the very first that verse 14 kind of pulls straight from what was said in the gospel. So Peter started the first church, and then Paul kind of spread Christianity. This is all working on the theme of like Pentecost being the beginning, the birthday of Christianity. Um, is that misinterpretation baked into <coughs> the fact that the one didn't experience the other one's existence? I, I don't think so, because, um, you know, when you think of Paul being the first to have produced um, literature for 
that would have been that became part of the New Testament canon. All the other writings then were put together and uh, one could then see the, the word you use is a very good word, intertextual uh, yeah. conversation, you know, that isn't it interesting that Paul gets down to the same kind of understanding uh, and use of words referred to the father, though he may not have read anything that John had written because John had written way later on. Um, uh, so what then has been revealed to Peter, sorry, to Paul and what had been revealed to John, does it come from the same spirit? Because Jesus said, according to John, when the spirit comes, the spirit will lead you into, it will teach you all the things that I've told you and more. And then also the works that be governed by the spirit's direction and power that the spirit give you, the authorization, which is not yours, but the spirit's. Um, to, to do. And the first thing that John said, that Paul says, which is also what John says, uh, what John's letter is about is this Abba, this Abba, you know, through the Spirit, we are the ones who are able to call God Abba, Father, uh, Daddy God. Mm. And um, Philip in his conversation says, you know, if we have we really seen the Father if we've seen you, Jesus? You know, um, is the Father in the Son when they look at Adam? Do they say chip of the old block? You, mm. you know, there's a kind of a way in which you speak like your dad, you have thoughts like your dad or views like your dad or whatever it is. You you, you know, your the shape of your hands is like your father. So whatever it is that resembles the father um, yeah. and, and Jesus is. So, 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 so I think that this is for me where the work of the spirit is very evident that at different times, <clears throat> The things are revealed and people come to the same kind of understanding of what was said in the past, uh, uh, you know, revealed anew for us in the future. Maybe uh, uh, written in a different way, the context of which it was written in is differently, but the, um, the message, the undergirding message has the, the, the same similarities. And for me, that is the, uh, I don't know how to use this, but uh, probably... The, how the how the spirit is activating is working um, in different generations with different people, but the mm. same message, the refreshing message, continues to be revealed to us and more. Mm. That's a very good point. Yeah, and and it's then in in the various interpretations of that relationship. Um, of that understanding the spirit means uh, because like yeah it is also the kind of plain exams would then be a Christian so you don't necessarily have to be baptized you don't have to be that's like if you believe in that relationship if you believe that the father and the son and that whole spiel that you are Christian so then the church has come along and many pastors and whoever and they find a way to profit from that belief and to formalize that kind of relationship. And then that's kind of where the, the interpretations go a bit askew. You see, if you, if you put alongside, um, let's say, Pentecostalism, alongside mainline churches, where in mm. the mainline churches, a lot of focus is on, on the cross and the resurrection. A lot of focus for the Pentecostals would be on how the spirit of God is manifested. Yeah. So the cross 
is about weakness, yet mm. about power. But the Pentecost is like, ah, now we've got God who is so powerful. And if I am, am able to be used by that powerful version of God, then people will be attracted because people are attracted to power, not to weakness. Mm. And so um, and so and so there must be a demonstration of how the power of God is at work in and through us. Uh, and, and so if my if my denomination or my congregation or my pastor can do that kind of demonstrations, then his church would be packed or her church would be packed. Um, but is that how God cho- chose to reveal God's self? And is that not form of how to manipulate the spirit? I mean, you see, if you go right down a four trekker road, uh, yeah. the advertisements that are there that will say in that place, this is what happens. Mm. Um, now, I just want to say uh, something that, that's, that, that struck me again that we spoke about earlier on. So now you, you, you go forward when the, the invitation comes because now they're going to pray that the Spirit comes upon you. That's fine. I mean, we're not criticizing the, 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 mm-hmm. the, 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 the space for prayer nor we criticize the fact that we can pray that God's spirit will come upon us. In the Eucharistic service, that's what we say. There's, there's a part of the, of the service which is called the invocation of the spirit. When the celebrant says, send your spirit, your Holy Spirit upon us mm. and upon these gifts of bread and wine. So, so how the spirit then chooses to manifest the spirit self when does it manifest, does the spirit manifest the spirit self when I say those words? Or is the spirit already at work in the hearts of all those who are both believing and those who choose not to believe? But, but so now what happens? Fire. Sorry? But use the fire. <laughs> I hear you, I hear you. So I raise my hands. <laughs> but anybody... Of, of times after Pentecost Day in the Acts reading has never talked about tongues of fire on them. So there's a difference in, in that um, um, manifestation. Yeah. So what I was yeah. really coming to is, so now they prayed for you to speak in tongues and you don't speak in tongues. Hmm. So hmm. what happens? Judgment now comes. Yeah. So obviously yeah. there's no problem with the spirit, but there's problems with you. So this poor person who went up now and is perhaps singled out as the only one who never received speaking in tongues. So now we've got to look into that life. So are you smoking? Are you drinking? Are you doing this? Are you doing that? So now the judgment flows. Is that how the spirit operates? I know that I believe part of of the work of the spirit in our lives, in our world, is the conviction that we feel when 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 things may may be wrong and we're not admitting to it so so the spirit of god for me convicts us um speaks to us um and brings us to the point of repentance that's what i certainly do believe but uh judgment uh when somebody's coming forward showing that they are earnestly seeking what you are preaching about or what you are offering and now suddenly they are in the witness stand being judged because they're accused of not, you know, mm. having what what should be. Then, the, then, 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 and then, of course, um, that begins to become a sad state of affairs. How yeah. many people walk away feeling, well, 
not the pastor or the people who worked with him, but God has let them down. Mm. Because what the pastor offered, they thought it's what God was offering. And when they disillusioned, maybe they lose their faith. Yeah. Because waves, it, it has been introduced. And that's why so, it takes me back to my the, the way I try and teach my kids to form their relationship with. I try and internalize that for them with like the heavens in your heart so that you make your own decisions about what it is. So if they cross paths with someone like me who has been accused of being atheistic um, and this person tries to diminish your faith, that it's grounded in something stronger than what can be argued against, um, with then the only resolution to that conflict being that each party believes what they believe and accepts the other person that they believe what they believe, you know, which is yeah. the way I feel the world should work. And the world works best that way. Look yeah, but I, I, I get a lot of, of people who... You know, you know when 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 Christians say that person lives with the faith, you know, and then for me it's always like, okay, now I can start looking for the flaws because you've now characterized yourself, you've built your whole identity on like being Christian and not just being a person. Yeah, I think I think many times we we do say things that um, whether that's to convince ourselves uh, or trying to convince other people, we set ourselves up to fall um you know one of the writings of saint paul says uh lest you think you stand you fall so mm. what then if we look at the way this conversation goes between philip and jesus um verse 10 is it a a judgment or is it a way in which he is assisting them to concentrate and to focus and to bring them to this uh, kind of understanding. Do you not believe that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me? Now, he doesn't give them a chance to respond to that mm. because he <clears throat> says, you are asking me not to show you the Father. Then he goes and he gives them a clue. He says, the words that I say to you, mm. I do not speak on my own. So you see, faith is not devoid of trying to understand. So Jesus gives them words. <coughs> words carry a message. And he says, these words come through me from the Father. So if you look at those, those words, if you think about them, then you should see that they are actually pointing to the Father and it's Father's message through me to you. So it obviously takes a while for us to process that. Then he says, but the Father who dwells in me does his work. So now he gives them another um, uh, uh, explosive um, scene to imagine. A father who dwells in me mm. does his work. So it's words, it's the presence of the father, and it's the works of the father through Jesus. That if we do think about all of that, we will come to believe that Jesus is in the father and the Father is in Jesus. Mm. Uh, did Jesus want them to automatically believe? Is, is it possible to just automatically believe? Or is there a processing of what we hear in words and what we see in works? 
what we experience in presence. Mm. And I, I think that, um, I mean, I preached a bit about this on Thursday um, from Sunday past lessons, because there was also the question of about, uh, you know, how, uh, um, uh, what must I do to be saved was the jailer's words. And, and Paul and Silas together, it was like with one voice said, uh, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you and your household will be saved. Mm. Then, so they gave him the response, but then what did they do next? They said, then they preached the word of God. Mm. So to preaching, so what was the role of preaching? Does the role of preaching the word, they now said what must happen, but how do we get this family to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, we've got to tell this man and inform him and give him an understanding of what the word of the Lord means that will help him to faith in Jesus Christ. Well, according to the narrative, it did help them because they not only believed, they were also baptized. They also extended their faith mm. in when, when right at the beginning there was fear that this man would die, uh, he asked for salvation. And what does salvation related to? Coming to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, how do we help people do that? Through the preaching. Now, this is where the question does, does rise. When we listen to preaching of the word of the Lord, what are we hearing? The word of the Lord mm. and understand preaching? Or are is preaching just like, you know, fire and brimstone? Um, because, because the pulpit is a very sacred spot in the life of everybody. You may think the pul pulpit only exists in the sanctuary. Well, we travel with the pulpit in our minds. The memory of pulpit talk comes to us. Do they still grapple with what word? of the Lord was spoken to them. Mm. Jesus could say, the words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own. Then what words, what message is trans transmitted through the words of the preacher mm. to the hearts of those who are believing and wanting to believe more, to those who are struggling to believe and want to come to believe, and to those who are saying, I'm just here to listen. Uh, because I just don't believe. Um, I'm just coming to listen to, to the rhetoric uh, yeah. around maybe like the theme of Pentecost. Mm. But I've noticed. Um, does preaching speak even to that mind and heart? Uh, uh, that what we are grappling with here in our in in our in our in our sermoning is the, what is the word of God that needs to be preached. That will bring you to believe in Jesus as the Lord of your life. Mm. So there, there's an important point within that, and it's 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 the one that that I kind of try and and enforce every force and enforce in in every episode. And it's like this idea that Christianity, or at least your faith, is tied to like your church and the organized form of worship and that there are these conditions that kind of get put into like being a Christian where if you believe that God is the Father the Almighty, if you believe that Jesus is, is, is God 
incarnate that walked amongst us is the son of God. And then base your faith on your relationship with Jesus and your faithfulness as to like what Jesus said, like Jesus again then clearly says in verse four, um, in verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my commands. And in verse 17 of the gospel, this is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides in you and he will be in you. And it's like, you don't have to worry about everything else. Like, if you believe that the Bible is the recorded word of God, or at least recorded by people who God informed, and that these gospel stories are accurate, um, then everything is within there. It is contained within the philosophy. And you don't need to, like, <laughs> for lack of a better word, pay anybody or, like, tithe and give up any other things to, like, be a Christian. And then it's, yeah, it's, it's just one of those, those sad realities, one of those sad traps that I see, especially in the Pentecostal side, uh, people fall into. Yeah. Let me, let me say that when one thinks of, let's say you have a business idea. Mm. You're, you're not going to keep the idea solely to yourself. Once you've developed enough to be able to say, I now to, and you put words to the idea mm. and then begin to see that that begins to emerge into a form of an, of an action where you need to take it now to the next level where you realize and recognize that, let's say my wife has the skill to help me further this in that part of the of the vision I'm having. Yeah. Then you start building a community around that idea mm. that you formulated. And 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 at the end of the day, you're still going to be the one who manages that idea. But when you start when when going into a community where others have buy-in, uh, of course the idea no longer just remains your property, it now becomes a community property. And and in a way, yes. uh, the buy-in uh, forms a tight, a tight thing. So I'm imagining that's what Jesus came to be and came to do. His presence was to form a community around the idea that God so loved the world. Now, mm. so now the divine love, the agape love, didn't seem to be present within the relationships of people and and nature um, as evident as it should have been for better things to happen. So Jesus comes to bring this about. So 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 he gives us the commandment. He tells us what the commandment is all about. Um, you rattled it off sometime uh, the the other day. That's very clear it's really about loving god and loving one's neighbor um and loving oneself and of course creation and so on and so what would therefore be the the meaning the outcome of of that commandment uh, well jesus says mm. to love me the one who gives you this commandment to live by but there's buy-in now around the idea of what that commandment holds it builds community, yeah. forms community. So in that, um, 
community, you're always going to have people playing various roles to ensure that the community grows, that there's encouragement, that there's outcomes on the outside because you can't conceal the idea of your business because you want buy-in from a customer. Yeah. Whose buy-in may not be to sit on your board of directors, but the use of your product, which you say will do this for your life. So I would imagine in my in my own simplistic uh, what's his name that for us in our human understanding that community was formed. Now as the community formed, we start seeing in the in the in in the in the, both the Old Testament we see it in the New Testament how you then gifts and vocations are developed that would then help to steer the because now, now you need the small you, you need a community where there are leaderships to be able to continue helping to grow that community but then you may have a community that is on the the next corner because this one is a little too big to to function um, and so that so that's how I understood the church continued to to operate itself. Well, that was the work of the spirit. That continues to be the work of the spirit. Um, um, uh, you know, uh, around let me say the idea of the commandment Jesus came to instill. Uh, and if you really love love me, that's commandment you will keep. And how do you keep it? How do you understand? yourself in growing in, in all of that. And then he says, I will ask this, the father uh, and give you another advocate to be with you forever. So now the, 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 it's about the love of God. So who best than God's spirit to help us um, uh, be spiritual, be um, perhaps that's not the right word, um, that, 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 it, that it doesn't only go into our minds, but that it actually it, you know they, 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 that it actually is part of our being mm. um, uh, the, the spirit within us the so I don't know what word to use that people would use, but that's my words that I would use in this context uh, and in other contexts to show the life of God within us that we share yeah. it's a shared life it's not an individually lived life I think going back to the 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 quote of Enti Wright, who said uh, um, that they individually and corporately places where heaven and earth meet. So mm. yes, that's probably exactly mm -hmm. what the community is. Um, uh, that 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 the spirit comes, and it's not a perfect community by no means. However, however, with human beings, there's always going to be. But Lindsay's the the head of this. The, of this, uh, you know, but but I think he's. We need to dethrone him here. We need to take him out uh, because uh, we need to bring in. Uh, we need to take the the kernel of his concept, but formulate our own thing. Lindsay sees trouble coming on, so Lindsay shuts the door for that to happen. So they break away. Yeah. Because they now think that their ideas become better than the original idea. So now you have. Your, um, you know, but but it's also because, like, you know, the church in the past, what had happened? Um, uh, selling indulgences, misinterpreting the grace of God, all of those things added to so people saying, "Oh, that what's the Bible really say?" Hmm. So, so the Bible becomes the the sort of the 
the book of the of the early church that has helped us to become church. But then what happens once we now develop the idea? Yeah. You know, and, and of course, Constantine, did he add to it or did he really mess things up when he wanted to, when he made it a state, uh, um, you know, thing? So now we're obsessed, even today, we're obsessed with robes and all that as if that's the most important thing about this. Have you forgotten? That it's all about if you love me, you will keep my commandment. Yeah. That's really where it should be. And the spirit will help you to discover even more what that means. But we add on all the materialistic adages that we think improves the, the, the stuff. Right now, for example, we can even look at a church, uh, the front part of a church, if it has an altar. And it held, and it has a, a, a pulpit, and it hasn't as and and then we say now that is a church that is sacramental with the word. Yeah. When you stab a person with just a stage, and with a with a single pulpit, then you, then those people are based on the fact that they are just dealing with scripture, so they've taken out any sacramental uh, element. So the Last mm. Supper. Has now been replaced simply by a pulpit, and is that really what Jesus wanted? Is another question one needs to ask. Then, of course, was the whole phenomenon as the early church brought in the spirit, but now the middle-aged church didn't want to have that phenomenon. So you look, we're talking about a whole mystery here. <laughs> Yet when we come back to the words, we say, look at what Jesus said. If you love me, you will keep my command, and I will ask the Father. So he's not leaving us just to our own whims and wishes. Give you another advocate. Be with you forever. And what is this? Who is this advocate? The spirit of truth. What happened? You asked early on. We started believing the lie. I purposefully <laughs> omitted um, <laughs> the advocate line when when I read uh, because uh, yeah because of my own personal <laughs> leanings and I apologize but that's what editors do <laughs> is uh, the the important thing also that that I think a lot of people forget especially when clinging to like dogmatically to to the the Bible as being sent of everything the stories within the Bible especially the stories of conversion uh, at least also with the early church with with the Acts with all the epistles all of those things is like there wasn't a Bible then so there wasn't like a a centralized store of information that you could then easily transport between people um, so to base modern day Christianity on the same ideas and keep clinging to that concept of conversion and that flavor of evangelism is is a little bit insane because like now we have a universal book in all, every single language on this planet. Um, it was the first mass produced book that we could all share together. And that has also contributed to like Christianity's ubiquity on the planet is because that that's that's how that's the first book that most civilizations encountered when they encountered the written word you see now that's why when you put a book in front of people 
and tell them the heading, the author, and the main line of the story mm. <coughs> to enthuse them. Them that the problem with with people is that we are never taught to read mm. <clears throat> any type of literature. So, for example, I'm still confused as to why Bible Gateway produces a beautiful evidence of so many translations, but they talk of a letter as a book. So, yeah. so, so how yeah. are we meant to read the Bible? I remember some years ago, a professor at University of Cape Town that I know, he said um, that there was a, a request from the Anglican bishops to teach the Anglican bishops how to reread the Bible mm. in our day. And there is a, a book that um, Ma uh, Ma Marcus Borg wrote that actually talks about rereading scripture. Uh, I've got a book here um, which indicates how um, literal we began to read the scriptures. It's called Speaking Christian. And how um, he says here, that um, there's deep divisions uh, 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 and different understandings of a shared language. So mm. again, coming back to your question, where did we go wrong? Is it then more, more about, um, in order for me to live on this, I must have total assurance. Um, and so I find it in scripture, um, and I base my life on whatever the words are that gives me total assurance. Um, but then the problem is I don't live the assurance by faith because it's a comfortable understanding where I am based. Like it's comforting for people to say that Mr. Trump is God sent because that will preserve a white America for us. Yeah. So yeah. every scripture must translate that reality for them. So who knows that we use the scripture to translate the reality we want uh, to feel and experience and create the reality of those who are too weak to think on their own. And so they follow the stream. Mm. So yeah. so I think, that, you know, um, maybe, maybe the issue of language. Um, and how it is used, misused, read, misinterpreted. Um, I mean, how many arguments around the table after uh, the minutes of the previous meeting has been read? And then it says, but um, uh, this is what Lindsay says. And Lindsay, that's not what I said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so but what happened in the previous meeting? So <clears throat> so that is, and I remember responding to an academic question that I was doing in a in a certificate course with the University of Stellenbosch, uh, a Bible uh, a Bible study course, and it went over the period of fourteen weeks, and so the professor asked this question, and I responded to the question, and the feedback was, "That's not what this author said," and I thought, "Gee, did I read that author so wrong?" So that possibility exists very very real. This guy studied what that guy said. He asked the question based on what the guy said. My response to the question after having read what the guy said was a total misunderstanding of what the guy said according to the professor. So those kind of things yeah. happen with scripture.
you know. Yeah, yeah. So, so the, the, the problem is we can read stuff. And I think, I think for me, a very classic way of Jesus saying, well, you, you de- do you not believe that I'm in the Father and the Father in me? But doesn't give him the opportunity to come back and say, he says, now, these are the things you need to focus on. The words that I speak are not just my words. They, they represent the Father's words. And yeah. then the Father yeah. dwells in me. So presence. Thirdly, the works that he does in him. So, so Jesus was teaching him how to hear, mm. how to understand, how to be receptive. And how and and where it will lead him to. So I think if you put a book in front of people, you don't teach them how to read the book. You're going to have problems afterwards. They would have misunderstood totally. Indeed. And that actually takes me back to um, when when I took the editorship of Popular Mechanics, where in my mind I'd I'd already explored this idea that there's magazines on shelf, but no one teaches you. We've lost uh, because of the advent of the internet and because all the media people are under pressure to kind of pivot to this new growth medium um you start to make things for your peers so 90% of content that is produced is journalists making magazines for journalists <laughs> you know uh, they never yes. think of how, like, if someone just picks up that book in isolation, they don't know your brand, they don't know, there's no, none of the marketing has reached them. Uh, because that's also like the other thing you were talking about, the business of the church, and a lot of churches are just businesses that don't have to spend anything on marketing because that's all been done by the proliferation of the Bible and Christianity. Uh, but then I the I went about um, re engineering the the magazine the actual printed thing to build in different cues for people who are picking up a magazine and it's like cool i am calling this the travel issue for instance or the empowerment issue so then i'm putting a the top the right hand corner of the cover has of the front cover has a little graphic or like a red square and then i put the red square on all of the empowerment issue so when you're flipping through the magazine, you associate the one with the other. And it's it's it it's it was actually one of the best quotes I think I've ever heard of you when it was like it's like the Bible is a book and we the, the readers weren't taught to read it. Like that yeah. So <laughs> yeah. this is my note, this is my note to the editor. That is why we need an advocate. Yeah. Okay. You were okay. you were advocating for readers. Yeah. By producing what you produce. So note to the editor, that's why we need the advocate. <laughs> that was sneaky. That was sneaky. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I did. I did open up the chin there for you. <laughs> but I think that's that's a good uh, that's a good place to, to to sign off at least on, on, on this conversation is is one, I think it's important for Christians if you identify as Christian, not like me. Um, to understand just the magnitude of Pentecost and the ideas that have been distorted around the spirit communing with people and how it's just been misused over time. 
And yeah, thank you very much. I, I do not expect you to pay for this, um, for this podcast, for the pleasure of listening to it. I do, however, ask you to share it with one friend who I think it would improve or add value to their life. So just share it with one person you know. And thank you very much for listening. And thank you very much, Father Rodney, for, for, for this conversation. Thank you, Lindsay. Appreciate you, my brother, and appreciate all those who listen. And thank you for the feedbacks that we have received so far. And yes, I agree with Lindsay. If you're able to uh, get others interested, uh, all, the, all the more better. Uh, and remember, this is not just our conversation. It's your conversation. <laughs>